Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. It is officially back to NFL season for the Deep Dive podcast. Andy wrote an outstanding post, put it up on the deepdivemedia.co website today kind of outlining what we're gonna how we're approaching these next two months as we ramp up and prepare to bet nfl as our full-time hobby uh andy how are how are you on this monday are you full-time full-time job full-time job nfl handicappers we're back we're back it feels good it does and it's, it's, it's like i said in the and i think we mentioned this last week it's like i said in that article i put up today we started to do the reverse math of how many podcasts we wanted to put together for NFL. And we were like, oh, shit, that's that's today. Like, our first podcast has to be today. And that was last week. So we are still going to get everything taken care of. We just there's so much you can go over, so much you can cover. So here we are, July 8th, full pivot to the NFL. I couldn't be more excited, even if it's a super difficult market and it's – I feel like pretty efficient and hard to beat. It's still my favorite sport to watch, my favorite sport to bet, and my favorite sport to talk about with you. Yes. I hope I hope you feel the same way. Yes. Because otherwise without you have an doubt. incorrect take. <laughs> without a doubt. No, without a doubt. NFL is uh, is where our bread is buttered. At our, at our core, we are an NFL podcast uh, and uh, NFL gambling podcast, uh, really, because I couldn't give – you know, much of a shit about any of the other kind of angles or surrounding this other than just how can we, uh, how can we make money betting on this every Thursday, Sunday, Sunday, Monday, and then Saturdays in December. Um, so let's, uh, let's get into this again, you know, check out Andy's post, get a feel for all of the various angles we're attacking NFL handicapping this off season. Uh, and today's kickoff pod for kind of, catching getting people ramped up back to speed we're not going to just dive into this and give you kind of like all the dessert right away uh in fact this is probably pretty decent appetizer really i mean we're not going to kind of touch on any strong opinions about uh, how any of these teams kind of shape up for the regular season win totals or how to bet these teams or you know what we think their likelihood of winning the super bowl is we just want to catch up and uh and so the the theme of this podcast will be effectively in case you missed it um, and we are, instead of focusing on the stuff that is obvious, like, oh, by the way, the, you know, the Cardinals got rid of Josh Rosen and drafted, drafted Kyler Murray. Like, of course you didn't miss that. Like we're, we're not going to kind of belabor some of the obvious things surrounding draft and personnel moves. Yeah, Gronk retired. Gronk retired. Did you know that? Um, no, no. So rather than kind of hit the, um, you know, hit the major personnel things, we're going to try to zero in on sort of organizational decision making who do they hire what is you know what have we what have we gleaned from you know their their um you know the way that the franchises change their coaching staff specifically head coach defensive coordinator offensive coordinator gm uh and um you know what are some of the other kind of things we've picked up from these teams in the offseason stuff you might have missed stuff that should help you start to understand and frame you know how they are approaching this season and uh we'll go back and forth I will read off the major organizational changes for the NFC teams and then get your comment on uh, direction of the franchise, whether you think they address their needs or not, uh, and then uh, vice versa for AFC. Does that sound like a plan? I dig it. Okay. 
All right, so we'll start at the top. This is going to be in alphabetical order. Uh, nothing fancy, nothing fun, nothing confusing here. Arizona Cardinals, the clear number one team that needed to do the most. Uh, they got rid of head coach. Uh, I can't even remember the guy's name anymore. He had one year on the job, and they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be calling the plays on offense, and his defensive coordinator, former Denver Broncos head coach Vance Joseph. Um, they obviously made some huge personnel changes, uh, and um, although they did not fire their general manager, beleaguered general manager who whiffed, presumably whiffed on the uh, on the Josh Rosen pick, and um, you know attempted to save his job with the Kyler Murray pick. Uh, what do you think of the Arizona Cardinals? Is this a team that is trending up? Uh, treading water or uh, another another uh, troubles trouble ahead. I don't know about the move at all. Like this is a total wait and see. I love Kingsbury. I liked his move in the off season to the West Coast. I wasn't one hundred percent sure on this one. I guess I, I get the if you're going to bring him in, have him call plays. I think that's the right call. The you know young quarterback, young coach. Who knows. If, if I mean, this could go one of two ways, I think. It's going to be a disaster, really good. Kingsbury is a really smart offensive coach. Murray turned out to be a, you know, a pretty good quarterback in college. I, th- I think it might be a dynamic offense eventually. This year, they're still going to be bad, obviously. But uh, Vance Joseph, I think, was a good pickup. He's a shitty, <laughs> yeah, yeah, shitty yeah. head coach. He's Terrible. a bad head coach. No, no Steve Wilkes. Good- yeah, Steve Wilson's Steve name. I yeah. finally remember it. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, but Van, yeah, Vance Joseph, I thought he was a good he was a good defensive coach and defensive coordinator. I thought he did decent things. And I mean, two years ago, Denver's defense was okay. I don't know what the what the whole deal was up there last year. I, I think that's he's gonna be one of those guys who needs to be a coordinator and not a head coach. So hopefully that works out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I feel similarly, but uh, I'll save my thoughts for the division previews. Let's talk about the Falcons. Uh, Falcons retain their head coach, um, Dan Quinn, uh, defensive, supposedly. Okay. Let's, let's uh, reframe this, I guess their last season, they were expected to contend, but they basically had split odds with the saints to win the NFC South last season. Injuries completely derailed the team. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian did not ever find, uh, his groove calling plays for the offense. Um, seemingly uh, kind of last chance for Dan Quinn here in terms of, you know, uh, of turning over his uh, coaching roster here um, after not making the playoffs last year. Dan Quinn will be calling uh, the defensive play plays after uh, replacing Mark Quand Manuel. Uh, and uh, they got a sneaky, nice hire for offensive coordinator. Dirk Cutter, uh, formerly of the uh, of the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, did the uh, Falcons address their needs? Are they sneaky, low key, under the radar heading into the season? They, they still have a lot of good offensive pieces, and I guess everybody's hot take on Sark is going to be proved either right or wrong here. As far as if it was one hundred percent his fault or if it was some sort of organizational issues, because Dirk Cutter was a Kind of a hot name for head coach. Maybe this is a nice landing spot. He gets a, a decent co a decent quarterback, some decent pieces around him. 
this might be like a one-year stop if the Falcons offense really takes off because God knows he's going to be, you know, replacing six, seven, eight coaches again next year. So, you know, Cutter's name was in the in the hat for some head coaching jobs and probably will remain that way, even if it's not, you know, like I said, a stellar offense. And then, uh, yeah, Dan Quinn going to call the D. Maybe not a bad call. Same thing as, as far as Kingsbury. If you got Dan Quinn there, it's 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 kind of like uh, up in Minnesota. You know, you should you should have him calling the defense. Dan Quinn's a similar situation there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talent. They, I mean, they got talent. They might uh, this if this turns out to be the keystone to turn the team around in the South, get them back on top. They're going to look pretty smart or pretty actually maybe kind of dumb for keeping Sark around that long. Yeah. And I mean, you know, low expectations for sure. Or, or you know, like you're coming in uh, with a, with a you know, good situation in there, I think. Uh, so, yeah, generally agree. Um, who's next? The Ravens, which I mean, technically, I mean, just Greg Roman came in, offense coordinator, going to replace our good friend Marty Morningweg. But they also did, uh, they did lose their GM in Ozzie Newsome. I can't know who's it. Eric DeCosta took over. Who's I mean, he's he's old. I think he just wanted to be done with it all. I don't know if that affects him too much in the in the near term, but uh, it'll be interesting to see because I thought he was a great GM. He made some good picks over the years. They got their Super Bowl. It'll uh, it'll be interesting to see in the years to come. Otherwise, not uh, not many changes there. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm Where's a your, fan. What's your morning leg take? Well, I'm a I'm a fan of uh, of the kind of the hierarchy that they've got set up now uh, for the offense. Um, I think it's pretty clear that the organization is fully embraced and invested in Lamar Jackson and developing him into uh, you know into a dynamic passer runner combo threat offensive threat all around um, you know all, all around engine on offense and I think they have the right pieces and the right scheme to make that happen. Um, and I kind of liked low key organizationally. One of the things you heard in the off season, they're kind of leaning heavily into the analytics space, uh, of the different franchises who kind of all made uh, a point of, you know, we are going to get an analytics guy or analytics department and try to integrate that into our decision-making. The, the Ravens were one of the ones that my eyes kind of, you know, opened and popped because, uh, it felt like, you know, over the over the gym, you know, over the John Harbaugh tenure, uh, they tend to run the ball too much early on downs and not necessarily go for it in all of the right situations. So a little bit of tweaking here and there could really uh, uh, make them a more dangerous team. So I, I was overall, I was uh, pretty, pretty, uh, you know, pretty pleased with uh, the way their organization handled their offseason. They lost a lot on defense, but we'll save that yeah. for another podcast. Uh, who's next? The Bills, the Buffalo Bills, rebuild team. I probably, probably what they needed to do. They didn't. Uh, they're going status quo. McDermott, at head coach. I don't know who the hell the offensive coordinator is. I really, I'm not even 100 percent sure who this guy is. Leslie Frazier, D coordinator, still I think, and uh, yeah, just uh, giving them all another year. Uh, it was a. Uh, I think it was one of those freebie cards, I suppose. You get rookie quarterback in, it's awful hard to shit can anybody. Maybe the D coordinator, but the defense was good. So there it is. Yeah, I think stability was pretty important for the young quarterback. He, uh, of all of the quarterbacks we saw last year, um, 
looked the most raw. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I, you know, Josh Rosen's numbers were by far the worst, but Josh Allen uh, clearly, you know, made up for lack of ability of completing passes into tight windows with running, you know, scrambling, and you know, then and the Bills has always kind of afforded this uh, this extremely soft schedule by sharing a division with the likes of the the Jets and Dolphins. So um, generally, I think the idea that they they are running it back as far as a head coach and, and front office group is pretty solid. I think stability and you know for a young quarterback is important, uh, and they seem to have you know tried to make investments around him uh in ways that uh, that should shore up some of their problems so i think uh overall i was uh, i wouldn't give you know i'd give their off season uh from uh you know their 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 decision making to run it back i think is is pretty good i think mcdermott's good i think he's a fine coach uh, i don't think he's necessarily kind of innovating at the level that he's going to launch the bills from a you know six win team to a 10 win team or anything like that but uh, they should be competitive so uh, I give them give them a passing grade there. Um, how about the Panthers? Uh, they are effectively bringing it all back. No changes to the staff. No changes to the front office. Uh, season derailed by a Cam Newton injury. Uh, what do you think about uh, running running it back with this crew? So yeah, I I thought you'd have some hot takes on the Panthers, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you kind of said it all there, and I, I want to compare them with the Falcons real quick because. You feel like it was kind of the same situation, but they, it, it just depends on management, ownership, and whatnot because it does feel like, you know, Atlanta got beat up probably worse with injuries, but they ended up getting rid of both offense and defense coordinators, whereas Carolina stayed put, and maybe it's more of like it was a quarterback injury. What the hell are you going to do? It's similar to having a rookie quarterback. Rivera's earned, maybe earned some equity there. And honestly, the, the team, it, it had some weird wins and weird losses. It probably was an 8-8 eight eight team just because of the injuries. They probably could have been a little better without them. So I, I don't think I don't think giving the benefit of the doubt is a bad idea. It's a tough division. I mean, we've been already over the Falcons, who we you were thinking might be a little resurgent this year. And boy, the 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 whole world seems to think Tampa is so it'll be, it'll be very interesting. I think maybe Rivera first coach fired. Maybe that's something we talked as, about. As someone, uh, as someone who lived through the uh, North Turner offensive coordinator era in uh, Minnesota, do you see anything in terms of growth or, you know, potential improvement from him last year? He did look a little silly, didn't he? Like we were very anti North Turner offense with uh, Cam Newton, that offensive line, but he, I guess the old dog has a few tricks, and he made some changes. I don't think the offense looked terrible. But, uh, McCaffrey's a McCaffrey's a dynamic player. If Cam's healthy, which I don't think he is, uh, I still think he's injured. I think that might be a problem. I think uh, when we do this next year, we'll be going for some changes for Carolina. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, how about your Bears? Uh, last year, you were high on the Bears. Uh, they lose defensive court, longtime defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, um, but they have, pres- you know, presumably a very, very sharp uh, and uh, outstanding offensive coaching staff in place. Uh, some comfort in, you know, in terms of job security for the for the front office and head coach. Uh, what uh, what do you think of the Bears offseason? 
Yeah, young quarterback, good young quarterback. Like I think he has the meters to play with that. Unless this really takes a hard regression, uh, is Chuck Pagano a he? I, I don't want to shade Vic Fangio, but Chuck Pagano's a great coach. I think he'll be a good. Uh, I think he'll be a good coordinator. I don't think it's an enormous step back. You've already got the. I mean, you've already got the system. You got the players in place. The defense is going to be good again. I think it is really going to rest on the head coach and the offense here to improve because. I mean, just uh, look at the playoff loss. The offense yeah. needs to do more than that. So it'll be a case where Pagano probably just steps in. The defense is still very good, and the offense needs to get it figured out. Otherwise, they might be looking for a new coordinator next year. Sounds good. Speaking of new everything. You want, <laughs> new everything. You want to see these guys, I mean, these clowns? Here's some names. I mean, Marvin Lewis, it, it was what it was. That was the weirdest 10-year-long firing ever. And then Zach Taylor. I'll let you talk about Zach Taylor. I'm not even going to give a take on that. But that was a – I'm looking down the list of all the head coaches that got hired. That was probably the biggest surprise as far as the fact that he even got an interview. Um, I liked Bill Lazor. I'm not 100% sure if that was just a cleaning out the entire closet thing, brought Brian Callahan in to run the offense, but Zach Taylor will call the plays. And then uh, who's this defensive guy? Lou Anarumo? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what they're doing, if they're tanking or what's going on. All of this coaching staff, all of these hires get a, like a D. In my yeah. in my book, I, this this all screams this all screams. Mike Brown knows they're not going to be competitive this year and wanted to save salary. He's letting all these guys get some reps. He's not going to fire any of these guys after this year. He's not going to put pressure on them uh, to win this year. And uh, they are it, all of this all of this screams tanking, really and truly. Like uh, I would be shocked if they have not had internal discussions about what they're going to do with Andy Dalton next year uh, and presumably have kind of started advanced scouting to, to take the future quarterback for this franchise. And, you know, all of my thoughts and, and, uh, and kind of opinions here are colored by their hires. I don't think Zach Taylor uh, has shown us anything in to this point in his career that suggests this is your next great dynamic head coach. And, you know, granted, I could have said, should have said, probably did say a lot of, I didn't say should have said, but I probably did say a lot of this about, uh, the uh, the guy he was hired for being under uh, Rams coach Sean McVay. I mean, like I, I did not think that was a great hire at the time that the Rams pulled him in. They put him with a quarterback that I didn't think had a chance of being good in golf, and and magic you know ensued. So I you know I've been wrong about these sort of things in the past, and I'll own it. But uh, the Zach Taylor hire was an absolute head scratcher, and they have not necessarily populated this roster with uh, good you know good assistance around him. So I think this spells trouble on a lot of levels. I had forgotten about that. That was the whole thing. It was the the, the tree. Like we're we're starting that tree now. And yeah, he was his, he was uh, he was Sean McVay's uh, gardener and uh, and gets a job in Cincinnati as the head coach. Lou Lou, are, I mean, all, all of these guys, the, the defense coordinator Lou, um, you know, former defensive backs coach for the Giants. He had one year stop there. Uh, before that, he was an interim defensive coordinator three years prior with the Dolphins, uh, had been defensive backs coach with the Dolphins. Like uh, None of these units were especially impressive or outstanding. I have no clue how what he did to uh, secure this job, but he's now the defensive coordinator with a team that had a lot of defensive problems last year. So, you know, that, I, I have no idea who they're stopping, especially in, in the super high-powered, uh, highly competitive AFC North. They are in deep trouble. That's probably accurate. 
Where does that leave us? The other side of Ohio. Cleveland. Oh, yeah, the battle for Ohio. Well, this one, if you gave all those a D, I feel like we can give this a higher grade. Uh, maybe Steve Wilkes, a similar situation to Dan Quinn, where, uh, and maybe he'll be a good head coach someday, but it just seemed a little out of his elements. He got the defensive uh, job there, which good Greg Williams is gone. It's a shame he got a job somewhere else. Todd Munkin, super sexy name in the offseason. Got the offensive coordinator, which uh, Freddie Kitchens will call plays anyway, which is what he was doing last year. The combination of him and Baker turned out to be uh, semi-electric. It's not like they went to the playoffs, but there was late-season talk about how the Cleveland Browns had a shot at the playoffs. Now it's been shot, which it's been a long time. So, yeah, what's your how do you how do you grade the Kitchens, Monk, and Wilkes trio? I'm going to go even higher up and say I grade, give John Dorsey an A, an A plus even. Uh, He took, he obviously came into a situation where they had some absolutely premier ingredients, assets, players, uh, you know, just, uh, just a, just an embarrassment of riches. Uh, I thought the maneuvering that they did to get ready to play now, ready to contribute now talent and put it around, uh, put it around the young quarterback who's the real deal was outstanding. Uh, and John Dorsey probably in line for executive of the year, unless something absolutely goes sideways. Uh, Freddie kitchens, obviously unproven. I thought he did a fine job taking over for Hugh Jackson last year when Hugh Jackson was summarily dismissed. But then again, like, you know, a fifth grader probably could have done a good job for Hugh Jackson last year after Hugh Jackson was dismissed. So that was addition by subtraction. Uh, so it's getting rid of Greg Williams. I hated his defensive scheme. I hated everything about the way he, you know, he had the the secondary playing. It was completely antithesis to the current state of, you know, what wins in the NFL. And uh, so even if Wilkes is, you know, if he doesn't ever return to form, if he's completely shell shocked by his year in the desert and never, you know, has it brings it back as a D coordinator, at least, uh, you know, at least. He's not Greg Williams. So I think uh, overall, at least, uh, he's not Craig at least he's not Craig Williams. I like Todd Munkin a lot. He was kind of a guy I was at my eye on. Where's he going to end up? Uh, the fact that he ends up with Freddie Kitchens is probably a great, uh, you know, a great potential partnership there for, uh, for being a dynamic offense. It may take them weeks to get there. They have a hard schedule early um, and their schedule is, is backloaded with uh, AFC North all in the end of the season. So it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be, paying very close attention to how this unfolds for the Browns over the first several weeks. If they get off to a hot start, they're like last year's bears. If they struggle a little bit, maybe they come roaring in and in the later months, but uh, all, all around positive plus, you know, plus CV decisions surrounding what the Browns did this year. Who's next? Oh, big D America's team. Mm. Here's an, Boy, if you want to, who did we shit on for offensive coordinators early? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, let me set this up. If you so. if, if you want to shit on another offensive coordinator, I'm looking at all I'll, the ones. I'll give, I'm going to give you the chance. I'm going to give you a chance to do this. So the Cowboys did not fire uh, Jason Garrett. He saves his job for another year by making the playoffs by winning the East. Uh, but they did get rid of offensive coordinator Scott Linehan and bring in Kellen Moore. Uh, what do you make of the Cowboys heading into 2019? It might be a lateral move, but fans loved it. I mean, was it just appeasing the fans? And I don't know if – you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Was it just a 
maybe Garrett throwing Linehan under the bus. I really, really hated their play calling. I think if I could, you know, if I could really pick out a couple teams, it was the Sark, Sark and Linehan as first play calling, play calling in situations where you know they were just minus EV plays called repeatedly. The Cowboys probably could have been better last year. That was a, that was a fun team. I had some, I had some Cowboys to win the division futures. That was pretty wicked. Basically, I was just fading the Eagles. But, uh, it was nice that it worked out, and still, I gave them almost zero chance to do a whole lot in the playoffs. It was, it wasn't a, a team that can that can advance much further than that with that kind of coaching staff and just that kind of philosophy. I don't know if I, I know enough about Kellen Moore to say that things are going to change drastically. So, just calling it. It's it's lateral move. We'll see. Maybe the Cowboys are the it's the year to fade the Cowboys now after they've been hot this year or hot last year. Defensive coordinator Rob Marinelli coming back with a really good young defensive core. Uh, any chance they get done solely on defense, or is that just not defense the schedule? Defense doesn't matter. Defense doesn't matter. Okay. I feel somewhat similarly, but uh, of all of the defenses out there with the potential to be especially good, they're up there, I think. That helps. Yeah. Can't hurt you. Yeah. Yep. How about Mile High? You want to go there next? Yeah. Denver. That's as we just talked about. We're going to start getting some crossovers as we get further down the list. This is where Vic Fangio landed, taking over for Vance Joseph. But we're going to get a ton of crossover because it is musical coaches around the NFL. All <laughs> the kids get off the carousel. They just get on a different horse, and they let one or two new kids on. It's so it's sad how it works. It just recycled. Uh, Risk uh, Scarangelo uh, replacing Bill Musgrave. I mean, this was a, a clean house move, which I think Denver probably outside – you know, people on the outside like us maybe weren't super surprised, but it was probably a disappointing season, all things considered. I don't know if they thought they were going to get a lot more out of uh, the, the quarterback they brought in. Obviously, we have audio record of me saying that that was a super bad move, and he was just parlaying one really hot year with two really good receivers into a decent contract. But yeah, I mean, we, we saw what happened in Denver. They were a very up-and-down team. This is probably, probably the right move to... Replace Musgrave. I don't know shit about Joe Woods. I, I don't know if he'll be, honestly, even calling plays. As, I haven't heard one way or the other if uh, Fangio's going to call the defense, but I feel like if nothing else, he'll have a big hand in it. Um, I don't think hiring a defensive-minded head coach is the way to go in today's NFL. I can say this as a Vikings fan even. Um, I, I was very happy with uh you know, the hire a couple of years ago, but he just, he sticks out like a sore thumb with some of the things he says about how the game should be played. A defensive-minded head coach might not be the way to go in 2019. So I'm not super psyched about the hire, even though I love Vic Fangio. I think you probably feel similarly. I, I said this in like, when the Bears' defense was crazy good, I said this in like October. I said, someone's going to hire Vic Fangio and it's going to be a bad idea. And yeah, I remember you saying it, it, it came to fruition. Yeah, well, well, we don't know about how bad of an idea it is yet, but I do remember you saying that. And uh, you know, the two things worth noting: Broncos uh, owner Pat Bowen dies. Uh, that's obviously sad. And uh, I think the fact that the basically the keys to the franchise are now in the hands of John Elway, who has done a pretty questionable job 
uh, is a bad sign for the franchise long term. So he can sure pick quarterbacks, though. He can pick a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, one time he, one time he nailed it. Um, let's talk about the Lions. The Lions uh, brought a uh, questionable coaching move in last year before the season even got started. There were rumblings that things were not going well culture fit wise between the existing players and. Um, you know, what's the guy with Matt Patricia with the beard and the pencil? Uh, the pencil shtick is, is not fun. It's not funny. No one likes it. No one really likes Patricia. Uh, and uh, he, you know, he's he's gone through a couple of uh, changes to his roster, you know, to his staff here. Uh, he's brought Daryl Bevel in to replace Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter never really had the goods, so it's not a huge shock uh, that he's gone. Um any, any, uh, any, anything to be kind of positive about the way the offseason went from an organization standpoint uh, for our friends in Motown? I don't feel great about. I don't feel great about the coaching situation here either. I, it's maybe one of those cases where you get a little too much about based on what tree you're in. I, he seemed a little out of his element. I mean, the first game, the Jets knew the plays. The Jets knew your signals. That's not a way to start, you know, your head coaching career. It was that was an embarrassing game. That that was an awesome alt over game. We we crushed the shit out of some stuff there, and it was really fun if you're a Jets fan because they scored like 35 unanswered, but right away it's like what what is going on? And you know they did have some they did have some nice wins. I don't think Stafford is bad quarterback. In fact, I think Stafford is a good quarterback who's just constantly been in flux with his coordinators, coaches, pieces around him. He's had some injuries. He had some tough luck here in the offseason, personally. Uh, I don't I don't know if Bevel is that much better. Jim Bob Cooter was not a great offensive mind, but Daryl Bevel kind of falls in the category for me of the has-beens. I don't think it's going to be a great move. I think the NFC North is tough as shit. The Bears are going to be good. The Packers have Rodgers. The Vikings, you know, if they get their head out of their ass, might be uh, you know a decent team with a lot of good offensive weapons and a great defense. It might be another long year for the Lions, and it might be a two-year, it might be a two-year coaching career. I forgot about Bevel's last stop was the terrible job he did, kind of deconstructing the Seahawks and. And, yeah, uh, he, he, he's, oh, he's 10 years behind. And, oh, and to be, you give him the benefit of the doubt. We said this about North Turner, and he yeah, was able true. to modernize his offense. Daryl Bevel will give him a shot, but, I mean, if he doesn't pull that, because we've more times than not, we've seen it go the other way. So, Yep, okay. Um, Packers have uh, have a weird transition this year. They've had Mike McCarthy at the helm for a billion years. He's gone. They bring in Matt LaFleur, former Titans offensive coordinator. He's an enormous question mark. Uh, they get rid of Joe Philbin as offensive coordinator and bring in Nathaniel Hackett, most recently from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, anything at all that we can expect out of this franchise, out of this team? They invested heavily in the defensive side of the football through draft and free agency, but uh, you know, is counting on Aaron Rodgers. You know, is that enough to to swing things here, or is there is this going to be sort of a transition year as these you know coaches figure their figure find their legs? You know, I said defense doesn't matter, but it did in Green Bay. Their defense was so bad. They've had some bad luck injuries with Rodgers the past couple of years. I think McCarthy was past his prime. 
I think anything at this point, any sort of change to anybody forward thinking is a plus EV move. Nathaniel Hackett, I loved, I loved him two years ago. We talked highly about him being a head coaching, you know, having, having offers to be a head coach kind of petered off a little last year. I think it's probably, it's probably a decent move. Uh, Lafleur is going to call plays. So, I mean, two decent offensive minds with Aaron Rodgers. I think it could be a good team with McCarthy not holding him back. I mean, it became apparent that Rodgers probably didn't like McCarthy. Rodgers does, you know, Rodgers treated McCarthy like family. We'll just say that. And yeah. they did, uh, <laughs> they did, uh, they did, inv- I mean, two first rounders. Well, and we'll get into this in division previews, but two first rounders on defense and three free agents decent free agents they've signed like they really shored up the defense so if Rodgers is playing well this could be a oh shit look out for this team okay it's i'm gonna spend a couple more minutes than we had anticipated on the Packers because i want your take on this huge amount of uh hand wringing huge amount of ink spilled on Rodgers over the offseason people saying overrated this is a guy that is you know is not the same guy that people are remembering from his unbelievable statistical years a couple of years ago where this is now decent enough in the rearview mirror that people are like you know hey there's you know rogers is not the player you think he is true or false he's a top five quarterback in the nfl in 2019 true i think so i don't don't think he's i think it's the cusp of it I think there's definitely some young ones that have, have passed him by. He's no spring chicken, and the offensive pieces around him, just like we said with uh, with Stafford, they've kind of been in flux. But, boy, he's made shitty receivers look good his whole career. And, I mean, you've seen some of those receivers go elsewhere and not perform. So I don't even know if it matters around him. If they just let him do, like, I mean, remember Peyton Manning at the end of his career? Where, I mean, that guy was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, right. But you know, a lot of the criticism might, I've heard just is a lot of the criticism. That might, that might be a lot of the criticism I've heard, and this is a lot of obviously like you know backstabbing gamesmanship as you you know as a, as an entrenched coach has shown the door. But you know there was a lot of finger pointing, like oh yeah no club, clubhouse cancer. Oh no, we were we were calling plays and he was changing them at the line of scrimmage. We were calling you know innovative offense like uh, you know uh, you know uh, play action passes and stuff like that, and he was checking out of them like any of that catch catching wind to you or does that all feel like spoiled milk it it just feels like it feels like sour grapes or just more shit coming out of there i don't care if he has an attitude he i think he can he's earned it okay he's he's one of the greats like i'm not not too worried about that i i you do bring something up though it'll be the interesting new head coach with him that the dynamic there if they don't get along it could be it could be going that direction hopefully for packers fans and packers betters they uh they gel and he plays like he's been known to play Okay. Well, I can't wait to dive into the Packers in more detail because they're one of the most interesting teams yeah. coming into the season. <laughs> the whole NFC North is wide open. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Um, let's move back down to the AFC South. You want to set up the te- Texans here? Yeah, I mean, they brought in Tim Kelly as OC, but I think the interesting talk here is firing their GM a month ago after one season. And what's what's your take on just what's uh what's going on there in the offices down in Houston? Yeah, um, power vacuum. Uh, I think the uh, the 
it's kind of in the same way that the Broncos lost their owner, Texans losing their owner, I think, um, sets up for organizational instability. Uh, and I think pretty clearly the, the president wanted to bring in Nick Cesario and they had some meeting and didn't realize fully the implications of bringing him over from the Patriots and the power the Patriots had over him and from a contractual standpoint. And uh, they fired their they fired their general manager, kind of make it look like, oh, yeah, well, they weren't satisfied with the, what he did, but which is true. He did, did a poor job of kind of uh, re, um, restocking the tools on the offensive line to protect their young quarterback and Deshaun Watson, and they're kind of running out of time. I mean, this is your, your Deshaun Watson window is now. Uh, you need to have a competitive team around him, and they're – you know, they didn't fire Bill O'Brien and get a more competent coach in there, and they did fire a general manager after he made all the draft picks and pages moves. So it's it's a it's a very troubling situation in terms of direction of the franchise. And if they take an enormous step back this year, I won't be surprised whatsoever. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. <sighs> my team, my team that almost did me right. Indy, no changes. Why would you? They're on the fast track. If somebody spoils the party at the top, and maybe the Chargers, but the Colts are a team I fell in love with last year, and yet they made they made no changes. It looked a little rocky at the beginning of the year, but even I think even if that injury had nagged, you gotta you gotta stick with what you dance dance with who brung you, and let Andrew Luck figure things out. It looks like he did at the end of the year. Uh, do you, do you see this team and this coaching staff continuing to move forward? Yeah. Moves they made, I think, I mean, they, they've made all the right moves. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, the only thing that I would question about their organizational decision-making this offseason was not spending their cap. Um, not sure what the hell they're saving it for. Uh, there's only, you know, they rolled over a freaking mint worth of money last year on top of coming in way under this year. So, you know, they presumably could absorb some, some pretty heavy duty contracts and by means of trading. Uh, but, uh, they've kind of done a good job of just sort of stockpiling assets and making good draft picks. And, you know, pretty clearly, uh, the, I would say a top five front office in terms of decision-making uh, and a top 10 coach in Frank Reich, who I think uh, has shown the right mix of aggressiveness kind of coming out of the, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, who we'll get to in a second, were so um, outrageously rewarded for being risk takers in the right direction uh, two years ago. And Frank Reich, I think, is part of the beneficiary of that. And, you know, as, as much as I look at the Texans and think of a team that is potentially taking a step backwards, I look at the Colts and think the opposite. I think they take another step forward. I think they have amazing home field advantage. I think, uh, you know, if they, if they get off to, um, you know, a reasonable start this year, as opposed to handicapping themselves, which they did last year, then uh, this is a team that I have, I, I have extremely high regard for in 2019. Uh, and uh, unless something from an injury standpoint happens, Andrew Luck, I think you're talking about one of the teams that will be there at the end of the day for the AFC title. Uh, other end of the spectrum, same division, our boy Nathaniel Hackett, we brought him up earlier. They brought in John Filippo Flip from uh, the Vikings, replaced him. Status quo otherwise, I mean, I think it'd be a shame, even though we're not, not going into too deep into uh, – Personnel changes for football player wise. Like, what do you think? New quarterback, new offensive coordinator. It's going to be 
This is one of the teams that I'm going to have to put in the bucket of, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Like really, really high variance team. I don't know what we're going to see from uh, the new quarterback OC combination we have here. Yeah, I completely agree. John Filippo, I had, I, I thought highly of the Vikings last year for hiring him. Uh, I was like, oh, now we're talking. This guy's, you know, he's, he was, he was kind of caught up in the same sort of, um, beneficiary of all of the, you know, the, the, the Eagles run two years ago. And I was like, oh, nice. You're bringing in D Filippo, you're bringing in Kirk cousins, this, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to turn your offense into a dynamic, you know, monster on the fly. And it, it all failed spectacularly in Minnesota. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know it by their record, but that was a, a failure of a season. Uh, and now you're going to basically say, okay, well, let's, let's bring the band. Let's get the band back together. Let's get Nick Foles back with Filippo and Jacksonville and, and see if we can do something here. Um, has to be an upgrade from uh, Bortles and Hackett. Uh, I mean, that, that has, that had completely run its course. Um, they have strong defensive personnel again this year, but does that mean anything in today's NFL? It's tough to say. Uh, I didn't think they addressed their needs on the offensive line effectively. And I, I guess I look at this team and I think meh, eight and eight. Uh, so, you know, I think it's, it, it will, we'll see if they can do something in terms of pulling themselves, you know, closer to the level of performance we saw two years ago. But, uh, I guess I'm expecting improvement, but not like, like, uh, you know, completely changing the trajectory of the franchise. Yeah, I'm with you there. Although having a competent quarterback can't feel too bad if you're the Jaguars. It's been a That's a good point. It's been a while. Speaking of competent quarterbacks, competent offenses, I mean this is one of those defense doesn't matter. Steve Spagnolo replaced Bob Sutton. The Chiefs. The Chiefs, uh, and we'll get into this again. We keep saying this division previews, but they did uh, jettison some players this way and that. It's not going to be, it's not going to be the same look team, but the offense should still be pretty fire. Do you think the league catches up with them a little, or Andy Reid and company can stay innovating and stay ahead of everybody, and just the weapons, the weapons around, you know, Mahomes are going to continue to produce like they did last year. <sighs> got to take a step back. I hate to be this guy because they were so dynamic and they really are bringing almost all the pieces back. Um, but I, it, as you know, the Mahomes singular talent was being able to throw the ball far and he had weapons around him in Tyree kill, especially who could get wide freaking open. And that was a combination that was utterly lethal. And basically, it was like you had the best home run hitter in Major League Baseball all of a sudden. Uh, and for that reason, it totally changed the way defenses covered you. And that opened things wide open. Uh, the fact that Tyree Kill suspension looms uh, and the fact that uh, you know teams have had a year to study uh, and plan better for how to defend the Chiefs. Maybe look a little bit at the blueprint of what the, uh, the Chargers did in terms of playing them heavily dime. Uh, I think you can't help but expect some regression. Um, I don't expect Mahomes to set records across the board in the NFL this season. I think that's reasonable. Uh, and, you know, all that said, if they aren't doing it on offense, then I don't know how they're getting wins uh, with the tougher schedule and, uh, you know, and some questions on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the coverage. So I, I guess I'm, I'm cool on the Chiefs coming into this season. They need to kind of prove it to me that they are as good as – uh, as they looked for portions of last season. And, uh, you know, is some of this 
Um, you know, potentially a little having my ass burned by them in the AFC title game, maybe. Um, but <laughs> it, 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 but it is what it is. That did happen. It did happen. Chargers, no changes. <clears throat> Another team we've kind of hit. We've hit on a lot of the stud AFC teams here. <sighs> I feel like <clears throat> you can't. Honestly, let's let's take a step back. I was about to say you can't fire a coach who had a season that good, but the Chargers of all teams have been known to do something like that. Or they're like fourteen and two when they lost that playoff game, and uh, was that Turner they fired? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, and when no, it was um, Marty oh, Schottenheimer. No, Turner. Uh, yeah, Schottenheimer. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. think of which which coach it was, but. Um, I, he, was, yeah, he, he got the he got the number one overall seed and then lost to the Patriots and they fired him. Yeah, and I don't think a firing was necessary, but I do not love the Chargers coaching staff. I think they're holding them back. This team could be better. This team didn't get bit quite as bad by the injury bug last year, and if they don't get bit at all, I expect big things. Your thoughts, Mr. Whale? Yeah, so organizationally, they have two major problems. Uh, they don't spend enough money on uh, on their training staff and on their facilities, uh, and that has the you know has the unintended consequence of uh, not keeping their players as healthy as they ought to be. Uh, so you know the likelihood of you wake up one morning and oh by the way Joey Bosa is going to be out eight weeks is always always a chance that happens when you're at the LA chargers and, and, uh, and you don't have a staff that can keep your players healthy. It's other problem. Obviously they don't have a home field advantage because they play in a soccer stadium with 20,000 opposing fans every week when they have a home one, game. One more year. Um, those, but those two issues, which are both kind of organizational level. Um, and you know, they dealt with last year and they kind of survived, thrived even in those, you know, despite all those, you know, kind of setbacks. I think ha- has me a little bit more interested in, in being a buyer on this team. I love their roster. They don't have any holes as far as I can tell you at any level of anything that's important as far as competing for, you know, for an NFL title in, in 2019. Um, I'm with you on the coaching staff. I'm maybe not as bull- as bearish on them. It sounds like you're kind of out on them. I kind of look at them like, ah, they, you know, they made some mistakes last year, but they also took some risks and got rewarded for it. And when that happens, you tend to kind of lean into that even more. And so the idea that they didn't learn from that at all and that they regressed to being, you know, kind of bad decision-making, I'm not expecting that. I would expect them to, to improve. Um, they were green as it was, and they still went pretty damn far. They made some really nice adjustments, especially in terms of how they approached defending Lamar Jackson and the playoff win that they got on the road. Um, and, uh, yeah, then they turned around and they shot themselves in the dick by, you know, flying back to the West coast before flying up to see the Patriots. But that's again, kind of organizational, you know, handicap. Um, but you know, I, I like that they invested some money into an analytics department to surround, you know, to try to help this young coaching staff get a little bit better. So, you know, again, kind of in the same mindset, I put the the Colts and the chargers kind of on the same level in terms of kind of complete rosters, coaching staffs that are good or improving. Uh, and, you know, just a, a couple of small issues here or there that could potentially hold them back from being like full on, you know, title contenders. How about the Rams across town? In L.A., coming off a Super Bowl loss. Always tough 
when you lose a Super Bowl. Uh, but this team and this coach were somewhat resilient because they weren't expected to contend for a Super Bowl this fast. Uh, and Sean McVay, presumably, even though he got his, he was exposed, he got his ass shown in the, in the big game. Um, you know, is, is still clearly among the elite coaches in the league in terms of scheme development, in terms of game planning. Uh, and so for those reasons, has to be considered to still be an elite kind of, you know, front office coaching staff. Uh, they bring back uh, Wade Phillips. They, uh, they, you know, they, they fill in, they backfill, uh, you know, the coordinator and, and uh, positional coaches roles after they got poached by a bunch of teams. Um, so it's, it's relatively intact. Uh, Rams have a Super Bowl hangover in them this year, or uh, or are they are they uh, running it back? It tends to be a thing. I do like what you said, Wade Phillips. It's nice. I think Wade Phillips has been a nice, uh, not like I don't want to say like father figure and make it weird, but it's nice to have somebody with the experience on the staff like that that can kind of I don't know maybe keep a guy like McVay grounded and it probably teach him a lesson or two about how things work. I think that's been a big benefit to him, uh, the defense, and, and and obviously just the defense. It's been great. I was really high on McVay after, like, two years ago, I think we said, maybe this team isn't going to be that good. They kind of proved us wrong two years in a row. But then we get into the playoffs, and we're kicking 23-yard field goals, and we're punting when we should go for it. And I'm just not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure what happened. And I, I hopefully, because yeah. I wish him – I like the guy, and I hope him all, I wish him all the best. Um, hopefully he sees some of that stuff. He sees the criticism, and he's a smart enough guy, and he knows he needs to be more aggressive in those situations, not be, not be the rest of the league. Be Sean McVay. Take some chance. He needs to turn into Sean, 2018 Sean Payton, and just start going for it on fourth all the time, like a nut yeah. job. But uh, yeah, he got real conservative in the playoffs. You know, it's hard to say it was a bad season when you make it to the Super Bowl, but I feel like they could have done better. It, they could have been a better team in the playoffs. They could have won by more, and they should have been more in the game in the at the end. I I think there'll be a a bit of a hangover, but. I'm not high on much of the rest of that division. Eh, maybe the Niners. They're still the class of the division. They'll still probably get a buy. Yeah, I agree with you. It's still a very good team. Yeah. yeah, they they succeeded to the level of making the Super Bowl despite being handicapped by some of their decision making. Uh, and all of their future this year depends on do they learn from those mistakes and get even better. Uh, or do they kind of rest on their laurels and, and make those same mistakes again? And does that keep them from from taking the next step? It's going to be fascinating. Another team I really can't wait to, to dive into. But let's move on to the exact oh, opposite God. end of the future. <laughs> you want to set these guys up? I don't even want to talk much about this. I mean, yeah, Miami, Miami gutted the team. They gutted the coaching staff. I don't know if we even need to talk much about this. They're clearly tanking. That's life. It's probably the right move. They're not in a position to even attempt a, a minor rebuild. 
They should probably tank for two full years here and then try to rebuild off that. So Brian Flores, good luck. He might just be a sacrificial lamb if there's a big-name coaching candidate and they have the number one pick in two years and they're getting the, the kid from Clemson. You might just be, you know, two years and done, they bring in a, a good coach. That's all I know about that team. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree. Uh, hiring a, head, a new head coach within division is always uh, uh, is always a little weird. Um, you know, someone especially as unproven as Brian Flores is, is tough. Hiring on the defensive side of the ball in today's day and age is, is kind of tough. And I have yeah. absolutely no expectations of how they uh, populated this coordinator and uh, positional coaches roster. I, I mean, these guys could be. They could be average or they could be horrible. I'm be I'd be floored if they kind of light the world on fire. That's for damn sure because they don't have, especially on offense, they have virtually, you know, a, a roster devoid of playmaking ability. So uh, this is this looks like a team positioning themselves for the first overall pick next year, um, and uh, I really don't know how they turn things around in Miami. Uh, it just seems like a lost franchise. Agreed. Um... Oh, I get to set you up for your boys. We go back to the North. We go back to the North. Tell me, Mike Zimmer, uh, they bring him back. Uh, Is he kind of low-key, the coach, on the hottest seat this season? Uh, What is kind of the the, the temperature between the front office and the head coach here? They they bring in an offensive coordinator who's going to run, do a run-heavy approach. It seems like Zimmer wants to be, kind of have his hands in, in in the pot cooking up offense but he doesn't necessarily know what he's doing you know is, is all of this a recipe for disaster or, or did things turn around for this franchise this year oh i'm too close to it i don't even know what you comment. <laughs> um i like it's like you said earlier when we talked about uh, the jags i like the Filippo signing or you know acquisition hiring whatever uh, i'm not sure what they're doing with the kevin stefanski thing i don't mind him either but um i will say Outside of coaching, the brightest light I've seen was from Kirk Cousins. And he said basically what, like, and we'll get into this when we do our analytics Twitter, analytics NFL podcast. But he said the most beautiful thing you can hear from a quarterback, that he understands that play action works no matter what. The running back could be on crutches. If you pretend to hand <laughs> off to him, they're going to bite. And he gets that. And hopefully he's he's voicing that opinion in the offensive you know, meetings. And they, they work a lot of play action because that's what works. It always works. It always will work. He gets the analytics. So good for Kirk Cousins. Um, like I said earlier with Fangio and then we talked for us. I don't love the defensive coaching. Uh, defensive coaching. As a head coach, you know, a defensive-minded coach's head coach in the current, the current NFL. So, we'll figure it out, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too hopeful just because that's how I live as a Minnesota fan. But they still have a good chance, a good chance of being a good team. I think it is a really, really good three-team race for the NFC North, and it should be a lot of fun going down the stretch. <sighs> good stuff. Should we talk about my team? <laughs> Going to the, right to the Saints? <laughs> the New England Patriots, your defending Super Bowl champions. Six titles for Tommy Touchdown. Kept their coach. 
<clears throat> they did. They retained their coach. They did lose Gronkowski. Uh, he retired. I'm not sure if you heard that. Yeah. <clears throat> Almost. Yeah. I that was a weird know, situation. That's, and I that's what I, I don't think I don't think there's much to talk about here. But if you want to, if you want to maybe touch on the Shiano situation for a second, I, I guess I, I guess I've never really thought that the, that the, that the defensive coordinator for the Patriots mattered for a lick. Uh, Bill Belichick is doing so much of the kind of behind the scenes cooking with with the defense and kind of in game adjustments that um, that it really doesn't. I don't think it really matters. Honestly, I think what matters more to this team is that they just continue to draft poorly. Uh, they continue to put pieces around, you know, the greatest NFL player of all time and Tom Brady that, you know, are making it tougher for him to continue to win Super Bowls. And he does it anyway because they play in such a poor division that they get home field advantage. And then in the playoffs, they have, you know, the such an enormous coaching advantage and quarterback advantage over pretty much every team that they can uh, that they can kind of skate their way to AFC titles and then let the let the chips fall as they may. Um, all that said, I'm not expecting much from the Patriots this year. If they get back to the AFC title game, I'll be surprised. Uh, I think there's just the, the rest of the AFC has snuck up on them, uh, and they just have too many holes on their roster. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't love uh, the loss of Gronk matters. I don't love the, um, you know, the way their schedule is set up for this year. So I think there's a lot of warning signs for regression for this team. Uh, I don't think they lose the AFC East by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, but I'm not buying, I'm not buying into the hype this year whatsoever, especially early in the season. Only interesting story I have for you. Only interesting story I have for you in the Patriots. Best off season story I heard uh, of anything was um, Stefan Gilmore, uh, their top cover cornerback. Um, You know, they, effectively figured out ways to make get his play up to the aggressive level that was just out of this world. Uh, they in game planned how he was defending, you know, defending receivers where he was consistently pulling back the non-dominant hand of the receivers on the side away from the refs. Like they completely game theoried uh, the refereeing and got away with just bloody murder in terms of his coverage abilities. And it made it such that like offensive passer performance against him was virtually, you know, worse than throwing the ball out of bounds. Uh, and uh, that I think was the key to their success and no one really was talking about it. So Stefan Gilmore has another full season. Like he played in the playoffs. Then Patriots might be, uh, might be damn dangerous defensively because he's one of the better corner players in the entire NFL. So good acquisition on Stefan Gilmore two years ago, Bill only, only positive thing I can really say about their, their uh, free agency moves and drafting choices over the last couple of years. <laughs> oh, where's that? All the new teams, new, new Orleans, New Orleans. I'll set these guys up. Um, the New Orleans Saints are running it back, top to bottom. The only major change on their roster, even, was losing Mark Ingram. Uh, all that said, uh, a lot of a lot of kind of whiff of you know Drew Brees maybe coming to the end of his rope. Um, do you think they needed to do something more substantial or was it as simple as they were a correctly called penalty away from the Super Bowl and that they're going to be there this year? Be in the Trigger warning this year? for the Saints fans. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You got to throw that out there. I'm sorry, Saints fans. That was terrible. Um, yeah, let's talk about uh, Sean Payton, the cheater, and his terrible, terrible. Actually, hold on a second. Let's talk about the Saints 
getting ousted from the playoffs the last two years. The Minneapolis miracle, the clear and obvious pass interference that would have set them up for a game clinching touchdown. Like, holy hell, are they snake bitten? Is this karma for Bounty Gate? Like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, you do something like Bounty Gate and you get your Super Bowl and you're hexed forever. And I mean, I've seen, I, my, I have kids, I watched that damn movie, the. The princess that lives down in New Orleans. I can't think of the names of all the Disney movies. There's a lot of voodoo and shit in that movie. So I'm going to use that as, like, information. That's my research about New Orleans. I've never been there. But I did see a cartoon. And apparently the voodoo has got them. That's in, like, we really got off track of the Saints. I think they'll be good. <clears throat> they'll be a good team if Breeze stays healthy and they just do what they do. You're right. They were probably a correctly called play away from getting to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's a really rough way. They uh, come. They had a Spanish comeback the year before in the playoffs, only to be ousted on an absolute freak play, which is one of the highlights of my life. Um, <laughs> how sad that is. That's a, like a divisional <laughs> playoff game is the highlight for a Vikings fan. Yeah. Um, but no, they, they should be good. Um, Peyton's a good coach, even even if he did. Uh, you know, orchestrate Bounty Gate and cheat his way to a Super Bowl. We should, we should move on. <laughs> the Giants. Right, Giants. Great, great one. I'm going to set you up. I'm going to, I'm going to tee you up here. The Giants failed last season. They did not make the playoffs. They did not make any moves in the right direction as far as the franchise goes from my standpoint. Uh, yet, everyone came back. No change to the head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, Dave Gettleman. Still allowed to make decisions in the draft room. Takes Daniel Jones, first overall quarterback. Uh, it, what is the what is the arc of this team? Are they going to be in purgatory forever at eight and eight? Uh, now that they have a, a dynamic back in Saquon Barkley and no answer quarterback, how in the world are they going to win eight games? <laughs> okay, so you're ice cold. It's going to be it's going to be a messy. Like I can already tell that they're they're such a fucked franchise from the top. They're, they're going to do some stupid stuff where they play Daniel Jones and then they'll go back to Eli and it'll be a weird season and it's going to affect Barkley. It's going to affect him negatively. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be a good year. Like I'm, I'm really worried about these New York teams. The yeah. Foreshadow. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave Gettleman going to be still around after this year, or you think, they, I guess, Worst case scenario for the Giants fans. I'm gonna set this up for you. Worst case scenario. They are a seven and nine, eight and eight team and they get they run it back worse. again. Or is it worse or yeah, or is the worst case scenario that they like legitimately bottom out this year? Yeah, 0-16 is better than eight and eight, because then they'll I, I think Gettleman has just gaslighted ownership with with how confident he is. He's so confident. Like my record speaks for itself and look at all this stuff I did with, you know, other people's players. <laughs> He's a bad GM. And yeah, if you're if you I don't think there's a lot of Giants fans that would disagree with they wouldn't mind a year of, you know, 0 16 to get rid of Gettleman, get rid of the coaching staff, bring in something decent and, you know, start over. Start rebuilding this franchise the right way. Like the yeah, Jets are yeah. You don't think Pat Shermer? I I, I kind of regard Pat Shermer as I a like fairly Pat decent coach. I think he's and, in a bad yeah. position. He's a terrible position, but you don't think he can cobble together enough wins that it, it's like the it, like they all they they just everybody keeps their job because the Giants are notoriously okay, no, 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 I'm stubborn saying, about firing people. Yeah, no, I'm not saying like I think that's how it goes. The 0 16. I that's hope the that's, that's how it goes. That's the best case scenario. That's the best case. Yeah, I 
I think that they should they should try to tank like the players should try to tank to get rid of Gettleman, but uh, you know that ain't gonna happen. They, they did it two. Right. They did they'll two be, years ago to get rid of McAdoo. Yeah, they'll be like a seven and they'll be like a seven to eight win team, and that's a problem. Yeah, no OBJ. That was weird. That was weird getting rid of your your most dynamic playmaker. Um, yeah. Oh well. Saquon Barkley will carry them to just too many wins, in my opinion. Um, how about the Jets? Uh, the uh, the other, I mean, you know, we're so I, I, we're so out, we're so cold on the Giants. I guess you have to say, by contrast, we feel more positively about the Jets. But the Jets have a lot of growing to do, a lot of improvement to do if they're going to be competitive. Um, are I guess are you uh, are you concerned about some of their just their moves, some of their uh, their hires. I mean, they they fire their this like, shit man. They did a lot. Let's recap it all. They they get rid of Todd Bowles. They bring in Adam Gase. Adam Gase not necessarily a highly sought after candidate after getting fired from the um, from the Dolphins last year. They uh, they get rid of Jerry ba- uh, Jeremy Bates. They bring in Dowell Loganis. Logans. No fucking clue who that is. I Jason think he was a, wise, he was a diver. Greg Luganis was a diver. Dallas Logans, I have no idea who that is. Uh, They got rid of Casey Rogers, defensive coordinator, and brought in Greg with two Gs, Williams. Uh, and, uh, and then promptly after going through the draft and free agency process, uh, fired, um, their, fired their, uh, uh, GM McGuggins, McCuggins, McCagnan. That's about, that was his name, Mike McCagnan. So, um, overall thoughts on the Jets as a franchise? Is are they going to get out of the mud, or is this going sideways? I don't know who the quarterbacks coach is. I don't know if I mind Adam Gase. I think he's a little overhyped. If Gase Gase is calling plays, if Gase gets Darnold going, and Darnold was injured in the middle of the season, there's no doubt about it. Like he sat out legitimately with an injury, and his numbers improved greatly when he came back healthy. He looked really good in kind of a bad situation with a not so good team. If Gase and Darnold hit it off, this could be a borderline playoff team. Just all of a sudden. They've got I loved I love the Quinnell Williams draft pick. Le'Veon Bell, running backs don't matter, but he's a receiver. Like this could be a borderline, you know, like nine, ten win team if they get it all together. But at the same time, if none of you know, if the quarterbacking doesn't work out, this could be a really shitty team. This is a the range, uh, the win total range on this team is quite big, super high uncertainty. It'll be a team I'll be pretty excited to see because I'm a big Darnold guy. I had his, uh, I had his rookie of the year ticket, which was really good for one week. Thank you, Matt Patricia. Other than that, uh, it, it went to shit in a hurry. End up taking, end up taking some Barkley buyback to get some of my money back. But uh, no, it's, uh, I'm excited for this team. I think, I think they have potential. Dowell Logans, by the way, was the quarterback coach for the Cleveland Browns during Johnny Manziel's rookie year. Uh, and then subsequently was the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins, the Bears, and the Titans. Um, all pretty pretty lackluster effort at all levels that he's been uh, a quarterback's coach or an offensive coordinator. So uh, low, low, uh, low expectations there. Um, but, you know, maybe Adam Gase finally has the power that he needs to and has the experience having – failed with the Dolphins and failed with the 
with the, as the offensive coordinator with the Bears. Uh, maybe he now finally has enough reps to be good, a la Bill Belichick. I'm just kidding. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Oakland Raiders. Uh, Oakland. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, this is my take. Is they are. I mean, they're moving. They, they're going to make for fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they're going to make for fantastic. Um, what do you call them? It's going to be great on Hard Knocks. I don't have a ton to say about Oakland. It's going to be great on Hard Knocks. The team isn't going to be good. They've made super questionable choices. I don't love the signings. I didn't love the – I really wasn't a fan of the draft they had. They had a lot of draft capital. I'm not sure they really made out with the best they could have there. And I don't love the coaching. I'm, I'm, I'm out on the Raiders. Is that a hot take? I don't know. If it's, I don't think it is actually. I, I think that's a relative consensus. I think no. Um, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. <laughs> um, it's not like a hot take to be out on the Raiders. I think they I think don't that's deserve consensus. I, okay, so they bring in uh, they uh, they they've populated now and they've given a ton of control to John Gruden. He obviously has a 10-year, $100 million contract that he's entering year two of, uh, and we haven't really seen anything out of him in terms of directional franchise vision that suggests he knows what he's doing. Um, he brings in uh, Mike Mayock to run his draft room and they promptly overdraft by about 10 spots with their first pick uh, and then take a running back in the first round and legitimately put together uh, a, you know the enormous amount of assets that they had heading into the draft and come away with a bunch of meh. And, that tells me Mayock doesn't really have the goods. That tells me Gruden doesn't know what he's doing. And that tells me that these Raiders uh, are going to be at the bottom third of the league this year, but not bad enough uh, to get the franchise quarterback of the future. Derek Carr just going to do enough to probably get some other team to pay him to play there next year. Um, but uh at every single in every single area, I would like to have seen them work on and improve their franchise. They did not do well, in my opinion. Yeah, there's real, really. Yeah. I mean, it, the exception yeah. maybe they brought in a, a dynamic playmaker in Antonio Brown, but which I don't, put, I don't love. It. I don't either. You bring you put Antonio Brown on, into a good situation, a good team, a strong you know strong locker room, a, a, a stable uh, you know a stable situation. He probably thrives. You put him on the Raiders and hard knocks, and this, you know, you're legitimately throwing, you know, vinegar into the baking soda. Like this is has the potential to be explosive in a bad way. So, good job. The guy really well, we, we, <laughs> we got a whole stretch of status quo here before we get to the end. I think we're down what seven teams left. Nobody made a change for a while alphabetically. Mm. Eagles. I guess, yeah, what they Eagles. Yeah. Tell me, I'll set you up on the Eagles. The Eagles status quo, with the exception being you get uh, your quarterback of the future back in Carson Wentz. A lot of question marks about his ability to have a full, healthy season. But if he does, um, a team and a staff and a roster that looks like an NFC contender? Question mark. Yeah, zigzag theory on Philly. They were good last two years ago. We faded them last year and. Are they back? I don't. I don't want to talk too much about Philly. I'm going to save this for the division previews. But I am. I am high on Philly. In the bullish NFC. on the organization, right? I'm bullish on the organization. They seem like a halfway smart organization. 
they just need a healthy quarterback. I think they'll I think they'll be in the playoffs. I think they win the division. Hot takes, but um, Bull, yeah. bullish on the organization. I'm with you. Exactly. Yeah, I think that that's and that's that's about the the, the you know that put them up there in the tier with the likes of the Colts. Uh, and the Browns as upper tier. Yeah. Um, Steelers, shoot across the Keystone State. Set these guys up. Pittsburgh. They, uh, yeah, they did. They kept the same coaches. I think the, the talk is the player. I mean, they lost a lot of players, not a lot, but they lost some huge names. They still have some good pieces. Um, it's just, it's going to be a totally different team. This is a team I don't know what to do with. I'm not a huge fan of their coach. I'm not a huge fan of just the, the game plan sometime, but they've had so many dynamic weapons. It hasn't mattered. They've been fairly successful. I'm, I think a lot of people are going to be down on Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't, what do you, what do you think? I, I'm kind of neutral on them. Yeah, neutral. Um, I think we are or we're getting to the expiration date on the Mike Tomlin tenure and we didn't make a move. Yeah. Uh, and that's concerning. Um, he definitely has lost some ability to kind of wrangle the personalities that they have in that locker room. Uh, clearly big Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell could not coexist in the same, uh, same organization, which is wild uh, and co- probably cost them, you know, more it cost them for sure a playoff um, opportunity last year. Like the fact that they didn't make the playoffs last year is fucking wild, right? Like, it, like you look at all their advanced stats and their you know yard YPP and point differential, all that, and the fact that they missed is crazy. Uh, and yet, no one was no one was brought to bear in terms of you know having to to face consequences for that, and that's a problem. Uh, so I think just from an organizational standpoint, I'm with you neutral um except kind of preparing for a surprise the end is near for tomlin that may be sooner than we think you know i'm there especially sharing a division with the likes of the browns who are coming on so hot and the ravens who i have a ton of respect for as an organization so yeah exactly potentially potentially some issues um how about uh how about we set up the san francisco 49ers uh head coach that we feel pretty positive about in Shanahan coming back, presumably with a healthy quarterback this year and Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, no major changes on the offensive or defensive coordinator staff. John Lynch continues to draft for defense. Um, you know, what, what is, uh, does, does Shanahan finally put together a winning season here as head coach, or are we always going to go into every season from now until the foreseeable future saying, boy, we like him. Maybe he puts it together this year and it just doesn't happen. I'm bullish. I'm bullish on them. I think they may run the playoffs. I mean, tough luck, tough, tough, tough luck injuries, quarterback, running back. And who's, I mean, they lost like three high level starters early very very early you're not going to have a good team like that's super rough um yeah drafting drafting defense but what are you going to do on the board you're going to take Nick Bosa that's life um uh, I'm bullish I want to talk about it a lot more in depth on the division uh when we get into the NFC West yep. but yep. I think okay. definitely that yeah they're uh, they're they're, they're, poised, the they're poised they're uh, poised to be the they 28 bring- the Colts 
They did not. They did not make. Uh, they did not make a change at offensive coordinator. They are retaining Brian Schottenheimer. Uh, Pete Carroll obviously has a strong hold in tenure as the head coach, and also a very strong relationship with Schneider, the general manager. So unlikely that we see any major changes there in the near future, despite if they over or underachieve or whatever. Um, but still like a lot of missteps, a lot of miscues, a lot of not optimizing decision-making. And maybe we notice this more with the Seahawks because Seahawks Twitter is so at the forefront of the analytics movement that when they fuck up, it's like, we know it, we, we see it, everyone talks about it. Uh, I mean, it's possible that everyone's doing it this, like, like this poorly, but you know, you have a quarterback in Russell Wilson who does, who has a more effective fake, uh, a more effective fake, uh, uh, play action than any other quarterback in the league and they underutilize it and they run on first down too much and all kinds of problems. Um, did they take a step back by not making a change at offensive coordinator as far as you kept them? Yeah, I mean, everything you just said is a hard agree. Super hard agree. I mean, we've always been kind of in step with our takes on Seattle. We're not a fan of the offense. And not a fan of just not worrying about the offensive line when you have such a precious asset sitting behind it. Uh, you're always going to have a chance to win eight to ten games with Russell Wilson back there, but he's not going to be around forever. This team is long-term you know, downward trajectory. I think Carroll, as soon as Carroll sees the writing on the wall, we joke about this, but he might just bolt back to college. Who knows? Like that guy. He, he might be, you might see him in the Pac 12 again, chewing his gum. I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> bearish on the Seahawks. Not excited about uh, going another year forward, whether they just continue to worry about defense and running backs instead of an offensive line. Yep. Yep. Same. Tampa Bay Bucks, clean house. Bruce A lot Arians, of changes. New head coach. Bring Bruce Arians out of retirement. Kangle hat and all. Now down, swashbuckling Kangle hat with Bruce Arians down in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, he brings with him Byron Leftwich as his offensive coordinator. We don't really know if Byron Leftwich has anything to offer as far as an offensive coordinator goes. He did not do well once he took over the role in Arizona last year. He brings Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator to replace Mark Dufner, who coordinated one of the poorest, if not the poorest, defense in all of the NFL last year. So that has to be an upgrade, right? I would, I would think so. He, Arians, hopefully, hopefully he's healthy. Like he, he didn't step away from the game, lack of success or skill. I mean, he had some health care, so hopefully that doesn't uh, show its ugly head again. Hopefully he, he can stay healthy and hopefully lead this team back to some semblance of success because it's it's been some leading years since the Brad Johnson days. I, I think that's who won the Super Bowl down there. What a weird team! Uh, I'm so not totally weird. I'm not totally you know checked out on Jameis yet. Uh, you get him with a good coach, uh, a good quarterbacks coach, the right system, and some pieces around him. He still might be a serviceable quarterback. I've seen. I mean, I've, I've I've seen flashes of you know good quarterback play out of him. I'm not like I said, I'm not sold out on him, but I'm not bought in. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I liked Byron Leftwich. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator in Arizona for a hot tick. I don't think that's a bad uh, that's a bad hire. And Todd Bowles, maybe we're throwing him again in that same bucket of guys that just wasn't quite there to have the leadership to be a head coach. 
hopefully he can maybe and maybe he can prove us wrong on that but uh, this is another team where who knows when you clean house it's really hard to tell what's going to happen and they absolutely cleaned house it's a weird team yeah. they drafted defense it'll be yeah time will tell this could be this is one of those high range ones again where it's could be a three win team or a eight nine win team if if things click right in the offense High volatility agreed. Um, they yeah. have poor ownership, poor general manager, in my opinion, um, which does not, which is, you know, huge red flags. Um, I worry, you know, and this is a super important season, you know, with, uh, with um, James Winston on his fifth year. Uh, they got to decide the future of their franchise one way or another here. And that volatility is tough to get involved with them positively or negatively before the season starts. Uh, and I worry a lot that we're putting a little too much weight into the we love Bruce Arians basket as far as, you know, us in the handicapping community who love Bruce Arians. <laughs> He's one of the about that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I worry that I put a little bit too many eggs in the Bruce Arians rocks basket and uh, he might uh, not rock this year. And uh, they may have a longer vision than we understand and recognize. And the you know the front office is not great, so um, there are huge red flags with the Bucks. I agree. High volatility team this is exactly the way to put them. Low volatility, low volatility team. Let's talk about a low volatility team that we think. Yeah, let's talk about a low volatility team that we think is going down. You want to set these guys up? Yeah, Lafleur. Obviously, he took the he took the head coaching job. Arthur Smith steps in. Maybe you can remind Arthur me who the, fuck, who the fuck Arthur Smith is. <laughs> uh, I thought he owned the Falcons. No, that was <laughs> Tennessee. Tennessee has been an yeah. enigma for me for about five years. I don't know what to do with this team. They show flashes of like the, they were leading the Patriots in the playoffs two years ago. Not for very long, but it's like shit. Is this team? okay and then you quickly find out that they're not uh, they they are where you it reminds me of what we said about the new york giants they're that team that isn't quite good enough but they're not bad enough to you know to do the full rebuild they just continue to be that that tweener team that makes the playoffs or almost makes the playoffs and not good enough to really get it done and and they can't get the full rebuild in i don't I don't know if Mariota's health has been, you know, a real a real stopper on that. Maybe, maybe that's where I'm at on this team. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, for for those wondering, Arthur Smith, uh, he has spent basically his entire coaching tenure with the Tennessee Titans. He's been elevated from uh, defensive quality control coach to now offensive coordinator from 2011 to today. Um, his most recent role there in the last three years, going basically under the malarkey. And then into the Vrabel no, regime, he was under the malarkey to Vrabel regime. He was the assistant tight ends coach to the tight ends coach. Uh, and if you think back over Tennessee's illustrious tight end performances over the last five years, you can understand why you would elevate a guy like that as to your offensive coordinator, right? Um, so complete unknown in terms of what he's going to bring to the table as far as you know innovative offense. That's a huge problem with a guy like Mariota, who's been inconsistent at best. Again, Mariota, James Winston, same exact freaking scenarios here. Teams that need to make a decision about the future of their franchise, whether they bring these guys back as, uh, you know, as, as cornerstone pieces or whether they move on. And Mariota hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy. He hasn't shown the ability to be consistently 
positive performer uh, and you've got him surrounded with a bunch of weapons that are kind of tailored to a, a heavy duty power run game uh, not necessarily a dynamic passing offense which is a you know huge red flag so I think the writing is pretty clear that of the AFC South teams um, you know who are all kind of lined around eight wins I'm the coolest on the Titans because I don't really believe in in Mariota being you know, putting together a full season of healthy, productive games, especially surrounded by Vrabel and uh, and Arthur Smith. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Good luck, Titans. Um, Washington good, Redskins. Good luck, Redskins. Washington Redskins. Uh, low key, hot seat, medium, maybe medium key, hot seat. Yeah, not low key. For uh, medium key, hot seat for uh, Gruden's younger brother here. Um, he they overachieved last year. They won more games than they ought to have, and that probably set the bar too high in terms of what was expected from this team this year. Um, they have they had a bunch of unfortunate injuries uh, to key places all around the roster. They were not very healthy, um, but they don't get a lot of those players back. They've lost some players in free agency. They've you know they they don't have a very talented roster top to bottom. Uh, and Jay Gruden legitimately has to be thinking, what do I do about my, you know, how do I save my job this year, especially breaking in a brand new quarterback in Dwayne Haskins that I have no opinion on. I have not seen enough from him to say, oh, this guy is going to find his groove quickly and be talented, you know, competitive in the NFL. So the Redskins are a hard pass from getting involved in, in any expectations for for you know, positive performance in 2019. Uh, can you put any glossier coat on this uh, weird, weird franchise? Rots from the head. Daniel Snyder's a problem. They're never going to be yeah. good until he's seeds power. Well, once we get into some of these preseason pods where we have more odds up, it'll be interesting to see where he sits on first coach fired because he might make the list. I'm not, I'm not sold on any of the moves. I I've seen I 10 to one. Yeah, I kind of like. Oh, we have those up yet? I'm I'm gonna have to go do some digging after this. Uh, yeah, not not sold on Haskins, not sold on Gruden, not sold on the ownership management. Uh, the stadium sucks. That whole area is kind of crime ridden. Now that I mention it. it, it's just a bad situation all around. Problematic name, which I I'm not one of those who cares about that, but but you got that as a distraction. This team might never win a game again. I'm uh, I'm cold on the Redskins. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell replaces Matt Kavanaugh. That doesn't move the needle for me. I think you're right. You really hit it on the head as far as uh, it rots from the head. I, I, I'm not sold on any of the Grudens. And, uh, yeah, I don't think they – they were a little bit uh, – they had a little bit of steam there midseason as far as, you know, the Redskins going to win the division. The answer was no. no. It was always going to be no. And I think the answer is <laughs> no again this year. So that's, yeah. that's the last damn team. We made it through them all. Which yeah. is, I mean, closing any, any thoughts. Major, closing thoughts are, yeah. holy oh, shit! I got one the more. turnover, the turnover in this yeah. league. And granted, it's crazy. Like when when you poach when crazy. when you poach a, a coordinator to be a head coach, that coordinator has to be replaced by somebody else, and then you end up, you know, there's a lot of, you know, moving pieces that have to be filled in because of the other moving pieces. But still, turnover stupid. They don't give these guys much of a chance anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, so what? Uh, one other thing, in case you missed it, 
you know, I think we've covered kind of state of the franchises and front offices and coaching staffs across the league. This was a very decent summary and from top to bottom. Uh, but the other, in case you missed it, might be, uh, and I didn't prep you for this, but they made some rule changes in the NFL this year. Most notably, pass interference. Um, they probably go through oh, another boy, phase yeah, of emphasizing. Yeah, yeah. This might be. I want to get. I want to get deeper into. I want to get deeper into some of this. We might have to stick this in the analytics one or something because I. I think we need to talk about this quite a bit more because those. Yeah. Some of these rule changes are super important. Every year they do this. It kind of sneaks up on you. Yeah, right, right. We'll have to break that down on another pod. I, did, I definitely want to break that down completely. But the but the pass interference one looks like the one that could be potentially the most impactful. Review Being able to re- review that uh, is going to be wild. Um, I'm sure they're going to fuck that up. Not if you watch CFL. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm also sure that the uh, – yeah, I'm also sure that the um, – they're going to try to continue to emphasize player safety. That was something we saw a ton in the preseason last year. I would expect it comes back again and to, you know, to, to continue to move the needle in that direction. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think this was a good kind of primer in case you missed it. Um, any one move that you think is going to be the most impactful over any other one that we've talked about today? Yeah. <sighs> It's really hard to – we're usually so wrong in this. I don't even want to stick my neck out in this because it's going to be dumb and bad, and this person is going to lose every game. I mean, it's probably the Brown stuff just because – The Brown Freddy, stuff. Freddy, Freddy Kitchen. Yeah, Freddy yeah. Kitchen's looks smart, so. Yeah, agreed. I like Freddy. Cool. I'm, fair. I'm I'm buying Freddy. Okay. All right. Later, well, good later job. this Let's week. This up. Yeah, yep, later, later this week wins. we're going to come back. Yeah, man. And uh, just to kind of, um, you know, not to overpromise, uh, you know, the angle we're taking on regular season wins is to kind of look at the state of the market, look at how things have changed, uh, kind of recap for you where they open, who opens what numbers, where how they move on what limits, uh, and where they currently sit after we've gotten a little bit of early money. So basically, we're, we, it's, it's, it's about, we're about at the stage where they put up overnight lines for the NFL Week 8, and they got beat up on Sunday night. And it's now a pro, about, what, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning? We're seeing these yeah. settle down a little bit. Uh, some have moved a good amount. Others haven't. We can kind of, you know, we're seeing limits go up. We're seeing alt, alt lines start to pop. So you don't have to necessarily bet into a heavily juiced line. You can get a little bit. You can, you can sell sell off half a game or, or buy half a game if you want. So it's um it's starting to mature a little bit. We're going to focus mostly on process around handicapping regular season lines, and we're going to have a fantastic guest. So can't wait for Wednesday. It's going to be incredible amount of fun, and uh, as well as the rest of the summer, getting into the NFL again. It's back. Yep, nine weeks of NFL prep. This is a good one. Thanks so well. All right, take it easy, buddy. See ya.